everybody. Um, it's great to be back. Um, I feel like I should sit down and somebody else should say something, but I appreciate your patience. And uh, today we'll cover the topic of discipling. Um, thank you for all the encouragement after the lesson. Um, you know, God is awesome. God's amazing. And uh, how much Jesus loves us is amazing. And it's just awesome. We get to live our lives for him. And um, it's great. We get to spend eternity with him. Amen. Um, okay. Um, let me... Next slide. Actually... Let me actually pull the slides up here so I can... Okay. Um, now... There's actually, if you go to www.borschforthesoul.org and you go to sermons or resources, there's a four, almost a four-hour presentation of this material. This material, I have 45 pages of notes. So there's no way I'm going to get through all this, but I'm going to give you like the movie trailer. That you think, oh, I should go see that. Um, hopefully some of the, the gist of it um, we can talk about today. But if, if it kind of grabs your heart or something kind of clicks with you, go there and watch it. And um, uh, hopefully that'll be helpful. Um, but I think uh, one of the things that motivated uh, me and my wife to study this out and work on this is that in our incredible movement, um, we're very good at converting people. Um, we even came up with a study series to convert people so that everyone would, would do it. And it's kind of like the most, we streamlined it to make sure it was the most effective way possible to help get people in the water, which is one of the two things that's supposed to happen from Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go to all nations and baptize everybody. But the second thing, teach everyone to obey everything I've commanded. That's the other piece of it. And, um, but we've never come up with a, a way of how do we really do that that's really effective. And basically, most of us rely on our temperament. Some of us are very strong, and that's how we disciple. Some of us are very soft, and that's how we disciple. And everyone kind of does it their own way. And sometimes that's really effective, and sometimes it's not very effective, and, and we lose people, and, and people don't seem to... Uh, at times, we also feel like people don't really step up and take responsibility for themselves, or we feel like, oh, you know... There seems to be lots of question marks and misfires in really maturing people to Christ. So I figured... Why don't I devote hours and hours and hours and hours to see if I can come up with a way to more systemize so that no matter who you are, whether it's your gift or not your gift, everyone is capable of teaching others to obey. Um, and that's what a little bit motivated um, this study series. Um, this first slide, um, have you ever felt stuck? Yes, that's probably how I feel more often than unstuck. Um, I don't know if you've ever had those dreams where you're trying to scream and nothing comes out, or you try and run away but your feet don't really move. Isn't that frustrating? Um, so many times in our Christianity, we hear the ideal of Christ, but sometimes we feel like, I just can't. People can get discouraged um, with the lack of progress, or the lack of growth, or the lack of effectiveness. Um, so it's important that we learn how to get unstuck ourselves and how we can help other people get unstuck. Um, amen? Uh, next slide. Um, this verse says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us in the sin that so easily entangles. It's not difficult to get entangled. It's easy to get entangled. Um, if you haven't been entangled lately, um, it's probably a miracle, but we get entangled all the time. It easily entangles. Let us mark, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
He's the one that writes the book of your faith. He's the one that can perfect your faith. I can't perfect your faith. I didn't, I'm not the author of your faith. Um, God's created you special, and you have your special walk in understanding and faith with him. He's the one that can complete it. So you have to focus in on him. Our focus as a church doesn't need to be on the church. And your focus definitely doesn't need to be on you. Um, but it definitely needs to be on Christ because he can literally perfect your road to him. He's the one that can perfect it. He's the author. He's actually the one writing it. He's the one arranging things to happen to you tomorrow to perfect your faith. He's the one that's arranging the different challenges and the health issues and the school and the job. He's authoring all of this to perfect your faith. He's the author. So you have to go to him for direction. He's the one that has to lead each one of us. Amen, church? He needs to lead every single member of our church. We don't need to lead our church. We use our leadership gifts to lead people to be led by Christ. We focus the church in on Christ, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of God, which means he's done. You know, in, 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 the, in the Bible days, if you sit down, that means you're done. If, if you don't sit down, you're not done. Um, Jesus sits down. That's because the price and the things that needed to be done to save us, it's done. That's what irritated um, Martha so much about Mary. She was sitting. She's not supposed to sit until it's done. Um, Jesus did it all. Um, we don't actually change what Jesus is trying to do. We lead people to Christ and, and inspire people to be with Christ. Amen? Um, next slide. Um, we can break out of this. Oh, excellent. We're on the same slide. Um, next slide. The soils. We talked about this yesterday. Um, I think that the soil I want to focus on is the third one. You know, the third soil, it, the first two soils die, right? The seed dies. It gets taken away or, or it dies. It falls away. The next two soils actually survive. They make it to heaven, so to speak. But one bears fruit, the other one doesn't. Um, the one that doesn't bear fruit, they're still faithful. They still come and they're still there and they still have lots of wisdom, but they're choked because of all the worries of this life and the worries of material things. And it kind of keeps us from being fruitful. That I'm often find myself at times in the third soil. I'm very, very busy. I'm faithful. I'm there. I'm doing some good things, but I'm being choked. And I want to, and I remember the days when I wasn't choked but today I'm more choked and I'm not being as productive as I felt like I used to be. Um, but we can all be in the fourth soil where God does not plus 30, but 30 times. Not plus 60, but 60 times. Not plus 100, but 100 times more if we're in that fourth soil. Amen? Um, next slide. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is in work in us, within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now we know this verse. We like this verse. It says, he can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. I don't know about you, but I can imagine a lot. I have a crazy imagination. Um, it, the Bible says here that he can do more than we imagine. I personally don't feel like I can do more 
when I look at my schedule and my lifestyle, the idea of doing more, you know, you're up at four in the morning, you go to bed at midnight, I'm not sure I can do more. You, you probably also at times feel like, I'm not sure I could do more. I actually would like to try and do less. Um, but I think it's Christ that can do more through us. I don't think actually we need to do more. I think we need to allow Christ to do more through us. Amen? Next slide. A couple points. Number one, Christ is the answer. The answer is Jesus. Um, I'm not the answer. The brother or sister to your right or left is not the answer. Your husband, wife's not the answer. Church leaders are not the answer. Christ is the answer. In general, people often rely too much on people to be strong. We rely too much on people to be strong. And if somebody isn't doing well, often they'll be thinking of a person as to why they're not doing well. Not about their connection with God. Um, and if the majority of the church isn't doing well, then the 20% of the church that for the most part is doing well, they will be spending their time taking care of the 80% that's not connected well enough. So often we become very, very busy taking care of the church, but then it's hard to save a lost world when we're spending most of our energy taking care of the church. But how can you not take care of the church how can you worry about the world if you can't take care of the people who are sitting next to you? So we have to get untangled. And we have to help every Christian have a direct discipling relationship with Christ. We need to lead people to be discipled by Christ. Amen? Jesus is alive and he's in us. He leads us. He's our guide. Now, leadership can sometimes be a prideful thing because... It, sometimes it feeds my ego if people need to depend on me. Oh, Sean, I need you. Only you can help me. Huh, yeah, only me. I'm sure it's me. But th that's not a good thing to think. Um, there was a brother who once said, I, you know, I need to get with you. I need to get with you. And I said, okay, how about you read the Bible every day for the next three days, and then I'll get with you. And then I called him back three days later. Are we getting together tomorrow? He said, yeah. I said, did you read your Bible the last three days? He's like, well, no, I didn't have time. I said, then I'm not getting with you tomorrow. Let's get together in three days, but I want you to read your Bible every day because I can't fix this. I can't fix your problem. I'm not the answer. The word of God, Christ, God is the answer. We have to help people turn to him. Amen? Um, I think sometimes as ministers also, we remember our early days of converting a lot of people. I know this is a challenge for me. I converted a lot more people in my early days as a minister than I do now. The amount of issues I'm dealing with right now um, take up the majority of my time and energy, but it's my fault. I have to change the way I'm leading so that Christ leads. Christ leads more, I lead less. We talk about Christ more, we don't talk about my wisdom or what I would do 10 years ago or how it worked for me. Let's talk about what Christ wants us to do and how Christ can, can work through us. Amen? So Colossians 2, 9 through uh, 10. Let's talk a minute about Christ for one second. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. All of God is in Christ. Wow. All of God is in Christ. We have the fullness of God in Christ. Fullness means full. 
Amen? It was like me after fried chicken yesterday. I don't remember where we were. I was full. Full means there's no other space for anything else. Um, Filled with Christ. All authorities are under Christ. The government, KGB, whatever it is, it's all under Christ is on top of everything. Nothing rules over Christ. Next slide. So we have to take our eyes off whatever it is that distracts us in this world and put it on Christ. Amen? Next slide. Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. If the vision of the church, given to the church, is to be like Christ, then everybody can identify. If the vision of the church is anything but Christ, not everyone can identify. Um, it says here, where there's no revelation, people, the, where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. You know, you're willing to deny yourself if you have a clear vision. If you really want to be a doctor, it's your dream. Then you stay up late, you study, you study, you study. You don't watch The Simpsons, you study because you really want to be a doctor. You're not just looking to pass the tests and move on in life. You want to be a doctor, so you really want to study. When I wanted to be a professional tennis player, I would get up at 5, I would work out, I'd go to class, I'd work out, work out, I'd eat only the right foods, I would prepare, I saved my money, I invested in this and that and that, and everything was just to be a I threw off everything that could have brought me pleasure, a girlfriend, drinking, whatever. I had no time for anything. I just wanted to be a pro tennis player. I'm willing to cast off anything if I have a clear dream. If there's no dream, then who cares what I do? If the church has a clear vision, a clear, crystal clear dream and vision, what they really want, we'll throw off anything. We'll throw not a tithe, but two tithes. We'll sacrifice right and left. We'll go out every day. We'll do whatever if there's a clear vision. And Christ is the vision. Being more and more like Christ is the most fulfilling vision we can have in our lives. Amen? Often I've tried to get people fired up about my vision and my goals, which inspire me, but they don't always inspire everybody else. Christ inspires everybody. Amen, church? Next one. So Christ is our vision. Next slide. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You have been raised with Christ. Our mind is in heaven, it's not on earth. You died. We miss you. But you are actually dead. Sean Wooten died. He doesn't exist. What came back to life is Christ in me. Unfortunately, it's not a very... Sometimes it's a close resemblance. Sometimes it's not a very close resemblance. But Christ now lives in me. I'm hidden. You can't see me. You don't see my skin color. You don't see... You don't hear my accent. You don't see me. You don't see my clothes. You see Christ. That's why sometimes people come into this church and they think, wow, all you guys are like alike. What do you do, like clone each other? Is this like a sect or what is this? It's because we're all trying to be exactly like the same person. I hope people walk in here and feel like, what is this? What is this place? You guys are like all alike. 
Now, obviously, we're not going to be exactly like, but we're trying so hard just to be like Christ. We actually seem like we're all alike. Amen, church? So, um, flipping through here, filtering what I'm skipping. Uh, next slide. 1 Corinthians 3.11, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. So as church builders and as people who disciple other people, we can lay no foundation other than Christ Jesus. Think about that a second. Don't put anything in the foundation except Jesus Christ. Why do we serve? Because of Jesus. Why do we come to church? Because of Jesus. Why do we want to have a good marriage? It's because of Jesus. What do I want to do with my kids? I want to treat them like Jesus would treat them. Why would I come here? I want to do what Jesus does. Why do I not look at porn? Because Jesus wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't do it. I'm going to share my faith because if Jesus was here, he would do it. Our focus is Christ. If we could just think, what would Jesus do in my shoes? You know, sometimes we think we need a theological degree to understand what we need to do. If you just sometimes simply ask the question, what would Jesus do right now? You know exactly what he would do. You may not even know the verse that would support it. You just know. You just know. Right? So that's our vision, to be more like Christ. Next one. Next slide. So the third point. Now, these are, these are in huge sections if you go online and look at it. The disciple of Christ. This is the other thing that I think. So we have a vision. Our vision is to be like Christ. But I think the other thing we, we incredibly underestimate is the disciple of Christ. The disciple of Christ is shocking. A disciple of Christ is astounding. It's no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind could even conceive what God had prepared for those who will choose to love him. What God does with those who choose to love him in the New Testament who actually become disciples of Christ what God does with you, it's utterly shocking. It's blasphemy. If you, told, if you went back 2,000 years and explained to the Jews that the Holy Spirit, oh, by the way, he, it's not actually in the ark anymore, it, that God actually is inside of me, you would be stoned instantly. And do you realize in those days, one person once a year could only approach you by dressing three times, showering himself, and throwing blood all over the place, and still standing between you and a curtain because you are carrying the Holy Spirit. Those guys couldn't even approach you. They couldn't even touch. They couldn't come up next to you in the Old Testament if you're the carrier of the Holy Spirit. I'm carrying the Holy Spirit. I would need a curtain here between me and you guys. And you better behave or I may zap you. I mean, I, I don't know how that works, but we carry the Holy Spirit. Are you serious? Look at the next slide. 2 Corinthians 5.17. See, because if we lead our people thinking, ah, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. Ah, oh, he doesn't know. Ah, oh, he can't do it. Ah, oh, he can't. Ah, oh, ah. Oh. That's just not true. We have to change the way we view our brothers and sisters. Once they get in the water, like that person got in the water today, praise God. Do you have any idea what just happened to that person? Do you have any idea who that person just became? It's almost like they come out of the water and tear open their shirt and there's a big S here. <laughs> and to then tell that person, oh, you shouldn't fly, you shouldn't lift up anything big, you're just a young Christian, I mean, you're a baby Christian. There's an S here, are you serious? 
They could lift this building up or fly out of here or, you know, shoot something red out of their eyes. I don't know what they can do, but that person now has the Holy Spirit. Are you serious? The temple of Jerusalem was built just to protect what's inside of that person right now. And sometimes we so under, how do we save 7 billion people if we so underestimate what God has put inside of us? This is the most amazing collection of people in the history of this city. Are you, are you serious? This is the dream team. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is and his plan and what he's decided to do through us. It's scary. But we can believe it or not. Superman could have never put on the S and walked around and, and lived his life till the last day and never done a single thing with the potential that he had. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The old is gone. It's gone. The only reason it, it relatively exists is because you remember it. It's totally gone. You're totally new. I'm looking at you guys in the eyes like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. It's so hard for us to believe. It's gone. Next slide. What else do we know about the disciple? They've been chosen, handpicked by God. Who gets to be on the Atlanta Braves? Just anybody? Well, maybe this season, yes, but I don't know. <laughs> but in theory, it's like the best, right? Who gets to be on the Olympic team? The best, handpicked. The greatest task in the history of the world is the salvation of the world. Do you think God would just pick anybody? Do you think he's like limited in who he can pick? Do you think you're randomly here? And if you're a kingdom kid, it could be like, you're like David, Jesse. We don't really know what Jesse did, but David was the one. Maybe your parents, they're awesome. Praise God, they gave you faith. But you're the David in the family. Let's do something great for God. Chosen by God. You're a child of God. What I wouldn't do to protect my kids. What I wouldn't do to give my kids an awesome future. I'll do anything for my kids. There's no limit what we would do for our kids. You're part of the body of Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. We talked about that. You have the mind of Christ. Can you imagine that? You actually have access to the mind of Christ. And there's an incredible verse in Corinthians where it talks about who knows the mind of a person except that person's mind and who knows the mind of God except the mind of Christ and the Spirit. But we have access to the entire mind of God through Christ. You can literally explore the entire mind of God through Christ. That means in every quiet time, you can literally, through Christ, start to explore everything God has ever thought, believed. You can read that verse. It's incredible. It's mind-boggling. We have the mind of Christ. And we're shielded by God's power. Just try and touch me. Now, he may let you touch me, but he may not. You know, they got thrown in the fire. I may burn or I may not, but you're not going to decide it. God's going to decide it. I may get eaten by this lion. I may not, but it's not going to be up to you. You can toss me in there. It has nothing to do with you. You can't touch me. I may be on the black, red, and yellow list with the KGB and the rush right now. They can't touch me unless God believes it's best for me to sit in jail to inspire the church. They can't touch me. I'm untouchable. And if I end up getting touched, it's because God's going to use it. I could be sitting in a room with everybody sick and I won't get sick, but I may get sick if God wants me to use that to glorify him. I'm untouchable because I'm his. 
and he shields me. So whatever comes my way is going to be used to glorify God and move the kingdom. Amen? That's our world. That's where we live. We don't live in this. We live in this incredible, fantastic world. And I'm just touching on it. You guys can look at the other notes. There's like 30 scriptures that talk about us in ways that it's like a double take. And if we start looking at each other like that, if we start treating each other like that, if we believe in each other like that, the potential is incredible what God can do through us. But if we look down on each other, put each other down and have low expectations, oh, no, 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 he can't do, no, 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 no. I have to do it all. We won't reach the six million people of Atlanta. God's put it in us already. Amen, church? Next one. If this is true, amen, the disciples, 2 Peter 1, 3, has everything he needs. Can somebody find that real quick and read that out loud? 2 Peter 1, verse 3. Someone got it? Uh-huh. Can you read it out loud? Could you stand up and kind of shout it that direction? Okay, his divine power, divine power has given us everything we need. Sometimes we think, oh, my group's not growing because I don't have this. Or if I had this, things would be moving. No, no, no. You have everything you need. Yeah. Amen, church? The North River Church right now has everything it needs to evangelize Georgia, Southeast Europe, Asia. If all the disciples disappeared planet-wide today, this group would be enough to get it going all over the world again. Our role, we are not the answer. Work with Christ and the Holy Spirit to get the disciples unstuck. Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We have to be confident Christ started the work in us. He will finish it. But he has to finish it in us. Amen, church? Okay, number four. We're cranking. Because we're hungry. Amen? No. <laughs> I'm kidding. Letting Christ lead. Next slide, Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to taken hold of it. Forgetting, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We are not there, and we will never be there. But we can strive to move forward. And Paul here says something very important. He says, I look forward, I do not look behind. We have to look forward to Christ. Fix our eyes on Christ. Not fix our eyes on our sinful nature. Fix our eyes on Christ and move heavenly forward towards Christ. Amen? Next slide. We want to go forward, not backward. Repentance is turning away from sin and turning to God. Amen? Uh, my discipling has often been sin-focused. Bro, so what's wrong with you? Or what's your latest problem? I'm very lazy. Okay, are you repenting of your laziness? You should repent of, laziness is a sin. You need to repent of your laziness. 
So tell me about more about your laziness. Well, I was lazy yesterday. Okay, yeah, that is laziness. Where else are you lazy? Well, I was lazy there. Okay, that is laziness. You're right. You're lazy. Stop being lazy, okay? Are you done being lazy? Lazy, 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 lazy. Okay, let's pray about being lazy. Lazy, 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 lazy. So we focused in on the laziness. I think we covered that pretty well. But the goal isn't to focus on the negative. The goal is to focus on Christ. The goal is to focus on his vision for our life. Um, leadership should be Christ-focused. Imagine life without the problem. Or imagine Christ in your shoes. What would Christ do in your place? That is your life without sin, basically. If you imagine, what would Jesus do? You're actually asking the question, what should I do if I was not being in sin right now? Like, what, what's the best way to live right now that, that is closest to perfection as possible? It's like, what's the shortest way to get to the Starbucks? I mean, obviously I could go through Orlando, but there's probably a shorter connection just to the nearest Starbucks. Give me the shortest, give me the clearest path so that I can be right with God. What's the path? And when we imagine Christ, Christ is our life, that's imagining our life without the sin, amen? Next, next. now we're going to go into the practicals. Um, number one practical. Um, we focus on God. When you focus on God, the problem becomes irrelevant. The problem becomes irrelevant when you focus on God. Um, there's a great story uh, about David and Saul. Um, in 1 Samuel 17, um, there's a moment when Saul replied to David, oh, David came up to Saul and said, no, let no one lose heart on the account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Imagine that. Thousands of huge soldiers standing there at this amazing Goliath and little David, who's carrying the cheese and the wine, uh, comes up and says, oh, don't lose heart over this guy. I got him. I'll kill him. Now, he's got a disciple at this moment. He's got a church leader who's overseeing him, and, and the church leader gives him some advice. He says, you're not, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. He's been a fighting man from his youth. But David doesn't buy this picture of him. He doesn't accept the worldly view of who he is in his flesh. And David says, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When I turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. Wow. That's pretty scary. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the Lord. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Then Saul says, okay, go the Lord be with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> good luck. So here we see a couple of things. We all face our Goliaths. What was the method that David used to find confidence that he could take on this latest challenge in his life? He took time to remember what God had done in the past in his life. Wait a minute. God gave me victory here and God gave me victory here. So that means God can give me victory here. One of the greatest ways to help us get over our bumps that are facing us today is not hearing how you did it in your life only, but to ask them, so have you ever been in a situation like, have you ever felt stuck like this before? Well, yeah, I did a couple years ago. I felt stuck. Okay, so how did you get unstuck then? Well, you know, I started fasting and I had these extra quiet times. Okay, why do you think that worked? Well, because it helped me be more spiritual. 
And why, why do you believe that that, you know, where, where, where did you get those convictions? How did you get the strength to decide to do that? Well, I just was tired of being the way I was and I decided I just got to do this. I said, okay. I'm not going to say the obvious. It's like the guy walks up and says, Jesus says, what can I do for you? Well, he's sitting there blind. Jesus asked the questions. He didn't, he didn't give him the answers. Well, maybe I should do the same thing. Whoa, sounds like a good idea. Often we have the answers. And the amazing thing about Christianity is that when you were converted, you actually did overcome the Goliath. Everyone has a reference point of incredible spiritual victory and overcoming sin that they were entrenched in for years. Everyone has a reference point. What did you do back then that helped you do that? What happened back then that allowed you to overcome back then? How were you able to do that? Why did you, where did you find the, where did you find the strength? Well, I had brothers with me every day. They were helping me. Okay, do you have brothers with you every day today? No, no, I'm kind of alone. Well, maybe I should spend time with brothers. Ooh, excellent idea. <laughs> How'd you come up with that? Well, you know, amen? So that's one, of the, that's one of the concepts. Saul then tried to put his uniform on top of David. Remember that? Okay, fine. If you're going to do this, let me tell you how I would do it. Okay, you've been stuck. Okay, so you want to get unstuck? Okay, now I'll tell you how you should get unstuck. This is how I get unstuck. Take this big shield, take all these swords and all these things. David puts it on. He tries it. That doesn't work. Have you ever given someone advice and they try for a few days and they come back and say, you know what, it didn't work for me. And you're thinking, well, you just didn't do it well enough. I mean, you, what's wrong? I mean, it, it, of course it works. It worked for me. You are not him. Nor do you want him to be you. Nor do you want him to think that you have the answer for him. All that goes in the wrong direction. The right direction is how did Jesus do this for you in the past? What scriptures in the past helped you overcome? What did you do in the fellowship that helped you? Help him find that answer. Then he comes up with that conclusion. Amen? So David then throws off all the junk that Saul tried to put on him. Saul was trying to, after Saul didn't believe in him, then Saul tried to give him the answer. And David said, no, no, no. I'm taking my five stones because that's what I do. That's, that's me. That's my gifts. That's who I am before Christ. Well, I feel really dry. Well, you should just go out of the forest and sing seven or eight songs. Well, if you heard me sing, that would just push you further away from God. You know what I'm saying? I mean, for someone singing, that works. For someone singing, doesn't work. But I know something worked in his life at some point because he's here today. We just have to help him remember his bear and his lion. Where was his bear and his lion? Amen? Next one. New skills. Leading one step behind. Number two, being a guide of grace. Number three, being an expert encourager. Number four, you don't know. I'm going to go 14 more minutes, then I'm just going to dead stop because I think we have till 1.30, and I want the last half hour to be uh, Q&A uh, with me and Lena, if that's okay. Only one person was okay with that. <laughs> so I'm assuming you're not okay with it. Um, encourager, you don't, uh, you don't know, and then expert listener. Let's talk through these five skills real quick. Next slide. Leading one step behind. Um, you don't tell them what to do. Um, you help them remember. We just talked about that. Um, uh, it was great. I had a brother uh, who was a region leader who felt like he had lost a lot of his passion, and he was just in a routine, and he had lost his connection with God. And when we talked, I said, so what, when was the last time you remember feeling really close to God like you're wishing you were right now? And he said, well, it was about 
you know, a couple months ago. And I said, okay, what was going on a couple months ago that helped you? And he said, you know, it was summertime and I was going outside into the forest and having my quiet times in the forest. I said, wow, okay, how did you come up with that? And he said, well, it just helps me to get out into nature and get out of the house. I said, okay, that's awesome. So what did you do when you go out into the forest? He said, well, I would pray and read some Psalms and read the scriptures. And I said, wow, awesome. Uh, how long did you spend doing that? And he said, well, I'd, I'd go out for like an hour and a half. I said, wow, when did you get up to do that? He said, I was, I was up at like six in the morning. I said, wow, that's incredible. I said, so what time did you go to bed to get up at six in the morning? He said, well, actually, yeah, I was going to bed earlier. I um, wasn't staying up doing stupid stuff on Facebook. I was going to bed earlier and I was getting up earlier and I was going out of the forest and really thinking and talking about God. I said, wow, th that's incredible. So you felt really passionate back then. I said, yeah. I said, okay, when was the last time you did that? He said, well, it was, it was about two months ago. And I said, well, do you have any ideas? <laughs> what might refresh your walk with God? He said, well, maybe I'll go back out in the morning and spend some time with God. I said, okay, awesome. And I said, and if you do that, what do you think will change when you come home from your walk in the forest? And he said, well, I think um, I'll probably be more patient waking up the kids and I'd probably give my wife a kiss instead of pushing her out of bed. Or... <laughs> and I was like, okay, what else, what else? What would your wife notice? Well, I'd probably be more kind and encouraging. And I said, okay, what would the kids notice? Well, I probably wouldn't yell at them if they weren't out of bed. I said, okay. I'm sure your kids will really appreciate that you're not yelling at them. That's awesome. I said, what else would change? And he said, well, I, I remember in those days when I'd come to staff meeting, I just had so much more good news to share when I'd had a good quiet time. And he said, I think my staff meeting, will I said, what else, what else do you think people on staff will change? I said, well, I think I'll be more warmer. I'll be more inspiring. And I said, well, what else would change? And he said, well, you know, during the day, sometimes I would pray about things in the morning and then half the problems would disappear without me even having to deal with them just because I prayed about them. I said, wow, that's really inspiring. Can you remember a couple examples where you prayed about something specific and God actually answered it without you doing anything? And he shared a couple things. And the reason I'm asking and asking and asking and asking, even though he's already got it, is I want to increase the motivation. I want to deepen the conviction that this is important to him because this works for him. You put me out in the forest in the morning, I'm not going to feel closer to God. I'm going to be looking for Lyme disease or whatever and I'll be distracted and I'll probably start a forest fire and I'll come home completely discouraged. So it's not, it's not my thing but it is for him. You see what I'm saying, right? But I just asked, so who else would notice something different? What else would be different? And how would you go to bed at night? Well, probably with more peace in my heart. And I was closer to my wife and my kids were closer and it was just so much better. So now he's so convicted and convinced that I don't have to nudge him and remind him every day about this little decision. It depth, he's got depth and faith now. And I said, okay, so so that, that's a little bit what it means leading one step behind. You don't supply any of the answers. You help him uh, do that. Amen? Um, also, then, I usually, at that point, I'll say, you know, is there biblical conviction or scriptures that back up what it is you're telling me? Can, can you lock that into the scriptures? And um, he'll say, well, you know, it says David, would, when he got up early in the morning or when he'd go to bed, he would be praising God or whatever. And, you know, it's good to connect it to the Bible. Did you see that in Jesus' life? Well, yeah, Jesus actually got up early in the morning before he started his day uh, to pray to God. I said, okay, so it's not just something for you. It's actually what Christ did. You're actually more like Christ when you're doing that. And that's why there's also great fruit from that because God's made you to be this way. So those are good things to talk about as well. Amen? Um, okay, next slide. Guide to grace. Um, point out the things God has given them. You know, have you ever noticed that at a birthday, like at my birthday, I had a birthday a, a month or so ago. And it's funny because when people share about you at your birthday, and I was with the Arthurs and the Kohas and the Shaws 
and a bunch of my friends, and they all decided to share one word about me and my wife and kids, and they all shared one word about what they think about me, and they were so encouraging. I wish every day was my birthday, you know, <laughs> that everyone's just walking around thinking of words that remind them of good things about me. Um, but sometimes, even when we're at birthday situations like that and people share about us, we think, uh, uh, we don't always believe it. God has given all of us gifts. We need to help us realize what these gifts are. We need to, we need to be good guides of grace. And I would sometimes ask a brother that I don't remember, I said, you know, if I was at your birthday and your parents were there and all your best friends were there, what would they share about you? Positively. And they would say, well, they'd say, I'm kind. Okay, awesome. They would say, I'm sincere, I'm hardworking, um, that I love the Bible. Wow. I didn't know that about you. That's awesome. That I'm a good singer, that I love to organize, I love to DJ, I love to dance. Whatever it is, they're gifts. And then you help them use their gifts. They're compassionate. Um, be a good guide of finding what, what God's put in them. Uh, next one, be a good encourager. Um, you know, Satan is the great accuser, right? He's always pointing out what's not good. He's always trying to point us out what we're doing wrong. We've got to be good at pointing out what we're doing well. Amen? I love to be around people who point out things that I do well and have vision that I can do even more things well. It's very hard to be around someone who points out something where I'm always wrong and then makes conclusions that I'm always, always wrong. That's very hard, um, even if it's true. Um, we have to get people not to focus on Satan or the accusations or the negative, but to get them focused on the potential of being more like Christ. Amen? Uh, next slide. You don't know. Even if you know, you don't know. Even if you just want to say, don't say. Because you're not only helping them come up with a solution, you're teaching them that they have in them already everything they need to live a godly life. So you don't know. And Jesus was awesome at that. Jesus often came up to people and asked questions. He knew. What do you want me to do for you? He knew. But he'd say, what do you want me to do for you? God in the garden, where are you? Really? You think God doesn't know where he is? Why are you hiding? Really? You think he doesn't know? We ask questions. It draws people out. It helps them to come to a conviction about where they are. Amen? Um, then be expert listeners. Next slide. Catch the victories. Catch when they did something right. What helped you to do that? How did you come to that conclusion? How did you know to do that? How did you, why did you do that? Wow. What verse inspired you? Wow. What was the prayer like? Tell me more about that. God answered that prayer? Wow. How did that make you feel? Wow. Th that's incredible. Dig, dig, dig. Ask, ask, ask. Let people see more clearly the way God is working in their life. Because when you have a clear picture of how God's working in your life, you're all in. When you feel like God isn't really paying attention to you and you don't really have a vision for your life and no one really believes in you and there's nothing really going on, it's very easy to just go to the mall or veg or watch a TV show or sit on Facebook or do nothing and just come on Sunday. But we have to be great in our D groups of noticing what each other does great for God. Amen? So be a good listener. Um, so the four steps... How are we doing? Let Christ lead. State the problem to a vision. Bro, I have so much problem with impurity. Okay, so our goal now is to be pure. Let's talk about how we're going to be pure. 
I find myself so angry. Okay, so we want to work on being kind and patient. Okay, let's talk about being kind and patient. Let's remember the last time you were kind that you felt like you were really being patient. How did you do that? When did that happen? What verses talk about patience? Maybe we could memorize some verses on patience. Uh, how is Jesus patient? Um, uh, who do you know that's been very patient? How, uh, how can we imitate them? What, what motivates? What are the, and, and, we, and we, we take the problem and we restate it as a vision to be more like Christ. Amen? Our society can be very negative and problem-focused. We have to help people become visionary. Then we find God's grace. When did they have the lion and the bear experience? Amen? So, what's the problem? This is the problem. So, what's the vision? This is the vision. Okay, that's our vision. So, when was there a time when that vision was actually going well? Amen? And then when you have a clear picture of how that vision was doing well, then you ask, so what was happening then that allowed it to go well? Tell me about it. What verses were you reading? What, what did God say? How was God moving in your life? What, what was happening that allowed it to go well? Amen? And then we, then we talk about how we can make one step forward this week to restore what it was that was working back then. Amen? So um, that's, let me make sure I, I covered this real quick. Okay, here's, here's sometimes people state the problems as other people. Uh, so, so a brother wasn't coming to church, and I said, so, you know, what seems to be the problem? And he said, the brothers don't love me. Brothers don't love me. And we were talking about it. I said, was there a time that, you know, you felt like the brothers really loved you? Well, yeah, that was da da, da. And I said, okay. Um, why do you feel that? I said, well, they don't pay attention to me, or they don't want to spend time with me. And I said, okay, um, let's say the brothers wanted to spend time with you and everything changed. What would change in you at that moment? What would be different about you if the brothers, if that relation went back to before? And he said, well, I would probably be less sarcastic. I'd be less negative when I'm with the brothers and I'd probably show up at church and Bible talk. And I said, okay, so if the brothers changed, this is what you would do different. Um, how about we try you do these things now even if the brothers don't change because sometimes we feel like we're trapped because of somebody else's behavior okay I need help because my wife is nagging that's why okay if your wife stopped nagging what would change in you well I'd probably be nice to my wife I would take her out on a date and say nice things and pick up my dirty underwear and I wouldn't scream at her and, you know, throw stuff around and, okay, okay, excellent. Um, how about what you just described is what Jesus would do in your shoes. So why don't you try and act like Jesus even if your wife isn't? And what do you think? If you start to do all those things, what do you think will change in your wife? Well, my guess is she'll probably stop nagging me if I actually tried to be like Jesus. Because... Our behavior isn't, often we think I'm this way because of other people. But if you, can, if you can disconnect from that and say, okay, if Jesus came into my shoes and I just tried to live like Christ, number one, I'm going to be happier. And number two, the thing that's bothering us about the people around us most likely will change. You, you follow me, right? That's actually a little bit more complicated than I just explained it. Um, you have to catch that probably online. Um, 
Next slide, state problem to vision. Okay, what is the problem, what is the sin? What is the weakness? So what do you want to be more of? What do you want to grow in? And the definition is not the absence of something, but the presence of something. Does that make sense? Amen? Amen. There's no such thing as darkness. It's just the absence of light. There's no such thing as evil. It's just the absence of God. We, we just have to focus on Christ. Amen? That, that's what's substantial. That's what changes our lives. Um, next one, find God's grace. Um, we covered it. Get a vision. We covered it. Um, get a vision. We obviously covered it. We just covered it this slide before. Um, move forward. Um, be diligent. In, are we all move forward? Oh, you're awesome up there, whoever's up there. Thank you. Um, 1 Timothy 4.15, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Um, Christianity is not about arriving. It's about progress. Peter talks about adding things to things. He doesn't talk about completing them. Don't ever give people in the church the feeling that they have to arrive. The most important thing is that we're adding things to it. So the goal is when someone remembers their bear and remembers their lion and they come to the conviction that they should do something, then I kind of finish with, okay, what's one thing you could do this week that could help you to grow in this area? Just one thing. Don't change everything. Just pick one thing. Okay, I'll get up and go to the forest. Okay, pick two or three days and do that. Amen? And, and we just try and help them take baby steps, take steps towards um, changing something. Um, and I'll just, next slide, and then I'll just close. Um, you know, uh, there was actually, I'll just close with this example. There was a married couple um, who were in the church and they wanted to get a divorce. And they were literally at the point where they just kind of hate each other. Um, and sat down with them as a couple and said, um, you know, is there, you, know, you listen to them kind of what the problem is. Okay, so this, the vision is you want to love, you would like to love one another and have an awesome marriage. Okay, can you remember a time where you felt love towards this, you know, your spouse? They're like, even from the honeymoon, I don't remember anything. Okay, how about when you were dating? <laughs> when you were dating, was there a moment you felt like you really liked each other? Well, and then the, the sister's like, well, yeah, I remember in dating, there was a moment when I, you know, I think I liked him. And I was like, <laughs> I was like okay. So what were you doing <laughs> that that made him like you. And he said, like, well, we would go for walks and we would talk and I just like to get to know him. I said, okay, okay, awesome, awesome. How about for you? And we talked a little bit and tried, I tried looking for anything, <laughs> any lion or bear or even a cockroach that they stepped on somewhere, <laughs> somewhere along the way. Surely there was something somewhere good. And, you know, we found a couple things. Then I said, okay, um, let, let's imagine this. Tomorrow morning, um, Jesus answers all of your guys' prayers, and he totally fixes your spouse 100%. And your spouse becomes just like Christ. And I said, okay, so brother, you woke up in the morning, and let's say that Jesus is sitting on the edge of your bed, and he says, I'm going to walk with you today and help you be the best husband you can be. Tell me, what would you do from the moment you woke up? He said, well, I'd probably get up and roll over and hug her, and then give her a kiss, and then get out of bed, and take care of the kids, and, and I would cook breakfast, and I wouldn't just run out of the house, um, I wouldn't just ignore her, I would give to her in the morning, I said, okay, and so when you're at work, what would you do? I said, well, I'd, 
you know, when we were dating, I would call her from work and text her and say something nice about her. I said, okay, you could do that. that that's awesome. What else would you do? Well, I'd come home early for work. I wouldn't stay there just to avoid her. Um, I'd come home early and I'd probably go for a walk and take her out for dinner. And I said, okay. And what do you think her reaction is going to be to that? Well, I think she'll be very inspired and encouraged. And, and, and I said, well, what did she used to do when you text her? Well, she would text me back nice things and she would say nice things about me. I said, okay, what else would you do if Jesus was with you all day long? Well, we'd probably pray as we walked together and, and, you know, maybe even share our faith together. We used to do that when we were walking. I said, okay, and then you'd come home and then what would happen? And we'd do this and that. And then and I said, okay, and, and what else? And what else? And he described this day that actually isn't complicated at all. It's actually really simple. And I said, okay, so if you're with Jesus, and I'm assuming you're sitting here today because you want to be a disciple of Christ. You love God. I know you love God. The Holy Spirit is in you. You know exactly what Jesus wants you to do. You know. Can you do it for him this week? Not for her. Not for her. Just for him. Could you do all those things just for him and make him happy? I can do it for him. Yeah, I can do that. So then, same thing with her. Tell me, if if if, you, if Jesus woke up next to you in the morning, what would your day look like? And this is such a great practice. No matter what you want to work on, ask a disciple. Okay, you're struggling with purity. Jesus wakes up with you in the morning. What would be different? Tell me about your day. And usually it's so simple and it's so practical. And the two of them decided, I said, okay, so both of you pick a day next week where you're going to wake up and Jesus is on the edge of the bed. And you're literally from the morning you wake up to the moment you go to bed, you're going to live for him regardless of the reaction of the other person. And then I want to hear how that goes. And it was awesome. It was like, it, of course it has its turbulence, right? It, it never works perfectly. But to start thinking about Christ in my behavior, and I'm doing this for him, not for her, not for the kids, not for the church. I'm doing this for him. That's my motivation. And it's usually very simple. Amen? Amen. So once again, if you, if you want to get online and uh, check that out, there's tons of examples of different issues and sin issues and problems and things that can come up and how we would go through them with this type of discipling. But I think it's encouraging. Uh, we do a lot of our small groups with this. My wife is actually even a bigger, she uses it even more than me. She does leadership meetings with this where we ask, what is our vision as a group? Um, what's worked in the past? What are victories we've had as a group? Uh, what does the Bible talk about it? What is one thing we can do as a group different next week that could bring more glory to God in this area of our life? And everyone comes up with tons of great ideas, and, and then everyone goes off, and then we come back the next week and share about how awesome it was, the things we tried uh, for Christ. And that teaches people to think, what is my vision? What's my lion and my bear? Where have I had its success? What's one thing I can do this week to be more like Christ? Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm done. Stop. Done. Finished. <laughs>